Democrats passed the Equality Act in the House, President Biden instructs Syria, and we tackle the topic of false teachers in the church. My name is Sean Clinton, and this is the God of Freedom Show. The show is sponsored by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. So if you always want to start a podcast but didn't know where to begin, Anchor is for you. Anchor is very simple to use and it's also free. All you do is simply record your audio from your phone, computer, laptop, or wherever, edit it, and then post it. You can monetize it with sponsorships and donation buttons, and you can distribute it to sites like a podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check it out at anchor.fm or download the app. Again, it's anchor.fm or download the app. Alrighty, so we are back behind the mic. I hope everyone is having themselves a great week. So we have a lot to get to today, so let's just you know jump right into the news. So the first thing on the kind of topic list I want to go over is the Equality Act, which so the Equality Act has been on the table for Democrats for the past few years at least. And basically yesterday or a couple of days ago actually, they Democrats officially passed this legislation in the House, in the House of Representatives, at a so it was a pretty much a a long party line vote. It was a two twenty four to two hundred six. About three Republicans joined Democrats in favor of this le- legislation. So right now it's set to be um, go to the Senate, and thankfully, all more likely, what will happen is that. Republicans will probably filibuster it, and when that happens, you'll need 60 votes to pass it, which they do not have 60 votes. And even then, even if they so happen to have need, or if even if they go by straight majority, I, in my opinion, more than likely, they probably, it probably won't pass because Democrats like Joe Manchin probably will join the Republicans in this, because he's not a full-blown <laughs> crazy leftist. But you never know, but more than likely, he'll probably go to filibuster. So, before we really get into kind of the meat of the main problems <laughs> that are arising from this, we need to go over what exactly is the Equality Act. What is it? So, right here, I got actually the entire... Bill laid out on here, and basically, I'm not going to go through the entire thing. It's basically more the beginning parts of it. So basically, what the Equality Act is is basically an extension of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and what is being what it's supposed to be doing is to extend those the Civil Rights Act to include like sexual orientation or you know stuff you know if you're gay LGBT folks to include them as well into the Civil Rights Act. So um so yeah let's just kind of go right into it real quick. Hold on one sec what's going on. Okay, so is a section two finance and purpose. So Congress finds following. 
One, discrimination can occur on the basis of sex, sexual rotation, gender identity, or pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical condition of an individual, as well as because as as well as because of sex-based stereotypes. Each of these factors alone can serve as the, the basis for discrimination, and each is a form of sex, sex discrimination. This is two. A single instance of discrimination may have more than one basis. For example, discrimination against a married sex, same-sex couple could be based on the sex stereotype that marriage should be only between heterosexual couples, the sexual orientation of the two individuals in the couple, or both. Discrimination against a pregnant lesbian who, or, sorry, discrimination against a pregnant lesbian could be based on on her sex, her sexual orientation, her pregnancy, or on the basis of multiple factors. This is three. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, gender, and queer, referred to as LGBTQ people, commonly experience discrimination in securing access to public accommodations, including restaurants, senior centers, stores, places of establishments that provide entertainment, healthcare, facilities, shelters, government offices, youth service providers, including adoption and foster care providers, and transportation. Forms of, forms of discrimination include the exclusion of or denial of entry, unequal or unfair treatment, harassment, or and violence. The discri discrimination prevents the full participation of LGBTQ people in the society and disrupts the free, free flow of commerce. Alright, so basically it kind of just goes through what exactly is the main purpose. And basically that's kind of the main purpose is to extend the Civil Rights Act to basically stop the supposed discrimination of those folks. But it does does a number of things. Basically it stops in any work in any basically federal kind of, you know, workplace, schools, anything like that. Basically you cannot discriminate based on those characteristics. This includes places like um, Christian schools and uh, Christian Christian adoption facilities and all that. So while you know a lot of people are kind of the generic argument that people make against it is that what this would do is allow you know. Trend, like men who say they're women to go into women's restrooms willy-nilly without being questioned. And that is terrible. That is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Because that can lead in all, to all sorts of problems. Basically, someone, like a man, can go into restroom and assault a female in there and say, well, uh, I'm, I'm actually a female. I mean, I want to get him off the charge, but there will be some kind of sympathy towards him towards a guy. But, I think the real main, in my opinion, the real main concern I have for it is that, is the religious aspect of it. Because this has a tremendous, tremendous amount of, uh, this is a tremendous threat to religious liberty in this country. So, one of the, again, one of the main aspects is this, is that 
Um, it prevents discrimination on the basis of, you know, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, and all that. But what it fails to do is provide any sort of protections for religious institutions. Because in the Civil Rights Act, it, it, the Civil Rights Act, the original one, in 1964, provided those protections. Because they knew that those, like, churches, you know, schools, Christian schools, and all those places, they had a certain set of values that they wanted people to meet, especially people who work there. But what this piece of legis legislation does is override that, and it provides no such, no such protections. So what this can possibly do is that, say, in a Christian school, a female wants to, or sorry, a gay person wants to, you know, work there, work at a Christian school. And the Christian school has a certain base of guidelines and, you know, values they want someone to follow. And it has a certain set of beliefs about, beliefs about marriage and all that. And so, on the basis, they'll probably refuse them. But with this, the Equality Act, they'll be forced to hire that person or face some kind of fine, face some kind of consequence. The same thing can go with foster care facilities that are, or adoption agencies that are owned by Christians. Basically, usually with Christian agent, adoption agencies, they target, they want children, their children they have there, to be adopted by, you know, heterosexual couples, a man and a woman. But with this, with this Equality Act, basically they'll be forced to have their, the children to be adopted by a same-sex couple. And they have no right to refuse, <laughs> to refuse them that. So it, this can lead to a whole a whole set of problems and possibly even in the church itself even in church buildings where say like a same-sex couple wants to you know get married in that, in that church but the church refuses and the government says no that's discrimination you, you would be forced to marry this couple or your 501c3 will be taken away. Your tax exemption will be taken away. And, you know, Democrats like uh, Better O'Rourke has threatened that, said that if he was becoming president or, any, or something like that, or in any sort of power, is that he would pass a legislation like a Equality Act and say any churches who discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity will have their... 501c3 tax exemption, tax exemption taken taken away. So, basically, if a church again refuses to do a gay wedding, or they refuse to have someone who is gay on their staff, with the Equality Act, there's a possibility that they will be forced to bring up to do those activities, which is a major, major, major problem for religious liberty in this country because with because you know with taking away the tax tax exemption that gives the government basically free reign to really kind of 
hunt, like really go after churches and make them do the bidding. And so you remember in Canada, for example, you saw that a pastor who was simply preaching has church opened, but he was arrested because, you know, because of COVID, you know, COVID restrictions. But of course, you know, he felt, you know, no, God commands us to all gather and I'm not going to stop teaching because of a not so a virus that really has a 99 you know, survivor, 99% survival rate. But he was arrested for that. And with equality, like the same thing could come here, but a lot worse. Basically, if you are teaching that, you know, you know, homosexuality, homosexuality is a sin, because it is, and then there's, a, there's only two genders, a male and a female. And then there's a possibility that especially with the 501c3 is taken away, that the government will crack down on that, say, no, you cannot teach that. You cannot teach that at all. And I know this probably seems like a little bit of exaggeration, but this is where it's going to go. This is exactly where it's going to go. If this Equality Act is passed. Because again, in this bill, and I'll post the entire bill, on the description of the podcast and video, there's no no protections for this. None. So pretty much everyone is fair game at this point. No matter if you're a church, Christian school, or whatever. If you discriminate in any way on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity, you will face consequences, which is the dangerous dangerous thing. But this is where Christians need to be prepared. We need to stand up because it's going to get a lot worse, and we need to be we need to be ready. So, real quick, I want to jump to a few verses right here. So, first, go to Ephesians. So, it'll be Ephesians. Chapter 6, starting from verse 10. So here's what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the, put, uh, sorry, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having sh shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Alrighty, so now let's jump to John 15, real quick. So 
So John 15, starting from verse, starting from verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it, is, it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world will love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. So basically, you know, what those two verses are really kind of talking about is that when facing evil, the wickedness of this world, like we're facing now, is that, you know, we have to put on the armor of God. And the armor of God is, you know, the Word, the Holy Spirit. We have to put on this armor to stand against all forms of evil that have come at us. And that, we, you know, we should not be surprised because, as and John says, Jesus says in John that the world hates you, but it hated me before you. It, it hates you because it hated me first. So, so we we gotta we gotta be prepared for that. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a mess. But we cannot. I mean, thankfully, I know I've said this many times over and over, but. We are, we are blessed to live in a country where, at least right now, that we can talk about the gospel freely, you know, just talk about God freely without any sort of government interference or anything like that. But, unfortunately, that's not going to last. I don't, I just don't see it lasting, especially with the way the society is going, the cultural push against Christian values. And that's where it starts. It's a cultural push that is just paints Christian values as evil, as completely evil in their view. And so, like with the Equality Act, eventually that's going to probably leak into the government because it's already leaked in the culture. You see it everywhere in the culture that the anti-Christian bias, but eventually it's, it's going to lead into bleed into the government as well, and it's going to bleed out into policy. And then to the law, then we have all sorts of other problems. That's why we need to, with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, we need to put on His armor and stand firm against this evil. And also, you know, not dread, too. I mean, I know this sounds kind of scary, but we don't need to dread for it. There's no need to be <laughs> dread, there's no need to be kind of worried about it because we have hope we have hope of restoration so let's jump to second peter 3 to 13 real quick here we go ah man sorry there we go. So Second Peter three thirteen says, But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I'll, re I'll repeat that real quick. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So what that means is that, you know, while there's great evil, you know, coming about in this land, you know, we Christian, you know, Christians do not need to be worried about it because we have, we're looking for new heavens and a new earth, the restoration 
of all things, made all, all things were made new. So, again, I know cute kind of repeating myself here, but it is it is this simple. It, it might be hard to do, but it's simple. It's a simple task. You know, put on the full armor of God with the word of God and the Holy Spirit and stand firm. Alrighty, so... Alright, I'm going to continue on with, you know, the steering airstrike and all that, but first got to go over to YouTube or the God of Freedom Ball to check it out. So not only get the rest of this episode, but also the rest of, you know, kind of the going of the, you know, the going of the Syrian strike, airstrike, but also me going over the kind of the topic of false teachers and all that, and also the ghost of a mass of the week. And remember, you can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Otherwise, I'll see you next week. This is God of Freedom Show. Okay, so now let's continue on right here. Alright, so... Now we're moving on to the Syrian, Syrian uh, airstrike that happened. So let's pull up this article. So basically what happened in the last you know couple of days or so that uh, President Biden, Biden ordered an airstrike in Syria. And, you know, let's... Actually, let's put an article from... AP real quick. Okay, so according to the AP, here's what happened. The United States launched an airstrike on Syria on Thursday, targeting facilities near the Iraqi border used by Iranian-backed militia groups. The Pentagon said the strikes were in retaliation for a rocket attack in the Iraq in Iraq earlier this month that killed one civilian contractor and wounded a U.S. service member and other coalition group troops. The airstrike was the first military action taken under the Biden administration, which is in its first weeks of emphasize and is the intent to put more focus on the challenges posed by China, even as Mideast threats persist. Biden's decision to attack Syria did not appear to signal an attention to widen U.S. military involvement in the region, but rather to demonstrate that a, a will to defend U.S. troops in, in Iraq. I'm confident in the target that we went after, and we know what we hit, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin told reporters flying with him from California to Washington. Speaking shortly after the airstrikes, he added, we're confident that the target was being used by the same Shia militians, militians that conducted the, air, the strikes, referring to a February 15th rocket, rocket attack in the northern Iraq, in northern Iraq that killed one civilian contractor and wounded a U.S. service member and a other other coalition personnel. Austin said that he recommended action to to Biden. So again, according to the AP, this attack or the airstrike was due to it was a retaliation 
to and another attack by the same folks who own that facility against U.S. you know forces and all that. And thankfully, not a lot of people were killed in that attack from those, those folks. So, really, I mean, quite honestly, I don't see the big a deal right here. I mean, as long as it doesn't lead us into another another war, I mean, it's just one strike. And let's be honest here, President Trump did the same thing. He did strikes like this on uh, quite a few, quite a few times. And so did Obama. So, people who are saying, because, I mean, this, this is kind of where they want to point out right here, is the kind of the hypocr- hypocrisy from both sides on this. So, for the riot, you got people freaking out saying, oh, this is see, see the example that Biden wants to lead us into another war, to another endless war. He's a war monger, and this is just a proof of it. But, Trump did the same thing, and they were cheering it. And the same thing goes for the left. The left is cheering this, while just freaking out when um, Trump did it. So, I mean, I'm sorry, hypocrisy like that just bothers me, in from both sides right there. Because, really, in both, in both instances like this, it's not necessarily a bad thing, in my opinion. I mean, it is retaliation against, you know, you get these folks saying, don't mess with us, <laughs> or we're going to mess with you. Saying, okay, if you do that again, we'll do even even worse. Kind of like what Trump did with the Kassim Salamati. So, again, as long as this doesn't lead us into another, into another big, gigantic war, I mean, there's no problem with this, honestly. At least in my opinion. I don't see the big problem with this. Alrighty, so I think that's all I should all have to say about that. Cause I mean I just wanna briefly mention it because again, I just don't see it as this big horrible thing that happened. But we see what happened in the near future, of course. But hold on one second. Sorry about that. So, now let's move on to the topic of false teachers, real quick. Jesus starts to weep, and he says, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I said, what are you talking about? Please forgive you. He said, when that pastor hurt you, it's as if I hurt you, because he's a member of my body. Please forgive me. So what you heard there is from a um, youth leader at Bethel named Seth Dow. And yeah, (laughs) Um, not not good stuff right there. Basically what he's saying, he had a vision because I mean, if you want, I'll post actually the full video of it, basically you know, in his past, he has a lot of pastors who kind of hurt him, apparently. And that in a vision, apparently, that Jesus came up to him and asked him, Seth, to forgive Jesus. To, for- to forgive him, Jesus. So Seth had to forgive Jesus. 
as if Jesus wronged him. Which is some crazy nonsense. Is as if, you know, with that mindset, is that like somehow Jesus wronged him? Which is absolutely, it's blasphemy, in my opinion. It's actually, um, that's heresy, honestly, because the Bible is clear that Jesus was without sin. He was without sin. And in that case, I mean, he can do no mistakes. He can do no wrong. Including, do no, he can do no wrong to others. It's not in his nature. So the idea that we, that we deserve forgiveness, sorry, that we should forgive him, forgive Jesus, that we should forgive Jesus, is nonsense. It is, that is nonsense and that is heresy. Full on. So I bring up that clip because it does really, really relate to what I want to talk about with false teachers. So what is false, what are false teachers? So as the name implies, false teachers are people who really teach the teach about, you know, the gospel and the Bible and everything, but they do it falsely. They leave out certain, you know, key components of it. They completely twist it into kind of a man-centered and even demonic type thing sometimes. And just completely just almost sometimes even, you know, denying the deity of Christ and denying the Trinity and everything. So it's not, it's not a good, it's, it's a, it's a problem. It is a problem in the church and scripture is full of warnings about this. So first off, let's jump to Matthew chapter 24. Oh, it's laying on it. That's oh, perfect. <laughs> so Matthew chapter 24, starting from verse 23. Here we go. Then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will, will arise and will show great signs and wonders, as so as to mislead, if possible, even to elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. So they say to you, Behold, he is in the wilderness. Do not go out, or behold, he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes, flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there will be vultures. The vultures, there the vultures will gather. So now let's jump to, go back a few pages, to Matthew 7. So Matthew 7 at, at verse 15. So Matthew 7 verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets who, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are rav, ravenous wolves. Now let's jump to Galatians chapter 1, starting from verse 6. 
<laughs> Sorry, it's taking me a little bit. It's kind of really trying to flip to the pages as quickly as possible. But um, so again, it's chapter one, Galatians chapter one, verses six through seven. I am amazed that you are so quickly discerning him who called you by the grace of by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And finally, let's go all the way back to Jeremiah 23. So, Jeremiah 23, at verse 16. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you into a fertility. They speak a vision of their own imagination, not from the mouth of the Lord. So, obviously, scripture is pretty clear about this. They are is pretty clear about, you know, warning us against false teachers. Like, you know, I mean, Seth here, I, mean, I don't know a whole lot about him, but, I mean, at least this part is a false teaching. Now, there's a difference between false teaching and false teachers. I mean, I'll get to that in just a little bit, kind of disappoint the difference. But, I mean, it is a problem in the church. And the problem is, is that even in strong biblical churches, depending on the churches that, even in strong biblical churches, they're not all teaching you how to really discern properly, if you will. Like, you know, they're teaching, you know, strong biblical truth, but they're not really teaching everybody how to discern. I mean, this is not, the majority of biblical churches are teaching that, but some are not. But the majority of churches overall, I think, are not really teaching that properly. And it leads people in a state of confusion. And like, where, how do we spot a fake? Like, if someone is preaching a false, false gospel, like, how exactly do we spot a fake? And we do that by knowing the truth. I mean, this is actually a great example I've heard before, is that um, for the folks in the FBI who count, look at counterfeits, they, they don't look for counterfeits by examining the counterfeit bill, they could spot it by exam they examine the true like dollar bill, or true the true twenty dollar bill. They examine it carefully, give the serial numbers down, the look and everything. So that way when they see it when they see a counterfeit, they spot it immediately like that. Which is pretty incredible. But the same thing should apply for to us when looking at the gospel. You know, we should know the true gospel enough in order to in order to spot a God, a false one like that. And the you know, scripture is clear about this as well. So first, now let's jump to Second Timothy, uh, two chapter two.
So Second Timothy chapter 2 verses 15. So here's what it says. Be diligent and to present, present yourself approved. Sorry, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a work, workman who does not need to be ashamed actually hand, handling the, tr- the word of truth. So basically what I'm saying is that, you know, be diligent and do not be ashamed of the word of God. Be able, be willing to stand up for the truth and to know the truth. Because the Word of God is the infallible Word of God. The Bible is the infallible Word of God. It is the truth. So let's jump to 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So again, that is clear that the Word of God is the is the truth. It is the ultimate authority that we have. And so, and we should know it. So that way, when the false one comes, we can spot it like that. And a lot of people do question is that, do we, sorry about that, do we actually call out false teachers? Do we have the authority to do that? So, and scripture, again, is clear about this as well. So, again, you know, scripture is clear about, you know, you know, calling out false teachers, if you will. So, now we're first going to 1 John chapter 4, at verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone in, out into the world. By this you may know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus not, is not from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, and of which you have heard that is coming, and, know, and now is already in the world. Alright, now to jump to Ephesians 5.11. So Ephesians 5.11 says, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful, disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is, is, is light. So now let's jump to First Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 21. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to what to that which is good. Abstain, this is verse 22 and on, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and the soul and body be preserved complete and without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, uh, is, you know, jump to John Chapter 7, verses 24. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous ju- judgment. So, again, Scripture is clear about this, that we do have the authority to discern and even call out false teachers and to expose and correct them. And, and, and love, of course. I mean, there is a difference between <laughs> doing it to be a jerk and 
and doing it in love. If you're doing it to be a jerk, you're doing it completely wrong. And you probably will you will be held accountable for that accountable for that. But if you do it in love and 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 willing, you know, trying to correct them, I mean that's a completely different story. And that's what that, that is biblical right there. And I know a lot of people ch- cite Matthew seven, saying, you know, do not judge unless you be judged or whatever. But what that is talking about is not do not judge at all. Cause even John seven it says do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So what Matthew 7 is talking about, which is talking about there, is that don't judge hypocritically. Hypocritically. In fact, let's jump to Matthew 7 real quick. Okay, so here's Matthew 7 with the full context of what he's talking about. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For, an, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in this, that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log of, out of your own eye, eye, then you will be see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So, it is clear what Jesus is referring to there is that do not judge at all. I mean, even in that last verse of verse 5, it says, first, take the you know, log out of your own eye. Then you'll be seeing clearly just to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So, what he's talking about is hypocritical judgment. And what that means is you judge someone for basically kind of the same thing you do, in a way. <laughs> that makes sense. So, you're judging someone... Say they're doing some kind of sin, but you're doing the same sin or or a sin overall. But again, he's not referring to do not judge at all. Just don't do it hypocritically, because there is a righteous way, according to scripture, to judge someone. And he had a he had a course, do it in love. Do not do it to be a jerk. Do not do it. To, you know, gain some kind of popularity or whatever. Do it in love with the love of Christ. With the love of Christ. And another thing that people do kind of have trouble figuring out is like, how exactly do we know if someone's a false teacher? Because, I mean, like with this clip I had, I played earlier, is that, um... I mean, this clip right here is, it is heresy. The idea that we somehow, that we have to forgive Christ as as if Christ had wronged us, that is heresy on his face. But I'm not going to go full on to say this guy's a false teacher because I don't know really fully about his teaching. But you can say that this is a false teaching. And as I said earlier, you know, there's a difference between having like a, like a false teaching and false teachers. You know, with a false teaching, you can be like a strong biblical teacher, but just made a big mistake, which does happen. I mean, this is very important to note, is that no one is perfect. <laughs> no one on this earth is perfect at all. Like, even, even pastors. Even pastors 
are not perfect. As Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes everybody on this earth. Everybody who has walked this earth, except for Christ. Everybody who has walked this earth is sinful and has fallen short of the glory of God. And is dead in their sin apart from Christ. So, so when it comes to this, if a pastor makes a mistake in their teaching... You know, that does not as that does not necessarily mean that they are a false teacher. You had to look at all their teachings and, you know, mission statements and all that. Sorry I keep pausing right there, kinda of this random customer there because my throat keeps getting a little tickly. And then I'm, I feel like I'm about to cough, so I don't want to cough into the mic. So that's why it's a little pause. But like I was saying is that excuse me. You know, you got to look at all their teachings and missions, you know, what they believe in order to determine if they're a false teacher or not. Because if they're like, say, have, the, have a long list of strong biblical teaching, but have like kind of this one mistake right here, that doesn't make them a false teacher. You just got to kind of, you know, have a little bit of grace and say, okay, they're human just like us and they do make mistakes. Now, if a person, you know, has a history of heresy, her, 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 like, you know, false teachings and all that, that does make them a false teacher. And really, the kind of the standard how you can discern that is if they deny any of the key essentials of Christianity. So remember, I went over this in my predestination episode. So I do want to go over it again. It's in remember it's in got questions. I posted it again in the in the description. But again, there's key different key essential you know beliefs that Christians need to believe in order to really be a, a Christian. So one is the deity of Christ, basically, you know, Jesus is God. One is salvation by grace, is that we we have nothing to do with it, not by works. Not salvation by works, but by grace. And it through Christ alone. You know, there's no, there's no like, multiple ways to God or anything. No multiple ways to heaven. There's one way, and that is through Christ. And you would got to believe in the resurrection of Christ as well. That without the resurrection, I mean, there's no point. Like Jesus was not who he said he was. But because of the resurrection, he was and is and will be always be who he said he he is. And that may, if that makes sense, but, but it's, anyways. So the resurrection of Christ, the gospel, basically, in short... The, I guess, the efficiency of scripture. Basically, you got to believe in the true gospel. Do not accept any false gospels at all. You got to believe in the gospel as it was written. Monotheism, basically, there's only one God. There's not multiple gods, but there's only one true God. And uh, finally, the Holy Trinity. And that is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all is all God and three persons. 
And so if you believe in these key, all these key essential ideas and teach it gradually, you're good. I mean, you're good. You don't have, I mean, even make if, if you make a mistake, I mean, it, but if you have a history of gradually teaching on these things with this, you know, mindset, with this viewpoint, you're good. But if you deny any of this, if you deny that, you know, Jesus is the only way, if you say, you know, Jesus is not the only way, but there's multiple ways to God. But, and also if you deny the deity of Christ, or if you deny the Holy Trinity, then you start tiptoeing down into the false teaching. And if you openly, constantly, in teachings, if this person constantly denies the deity of Christ and focuses on himself, on the man, rather than God, denies the Trinity and all that, then it is safe to say that that person is preaching a false gospel and is a false teacher, and that you need to probably stay away from that. And so, I mean, it is, it is kind of simple as that. I mean, it can't be hard, especially if you go to a church that you've been in there for years. Because this has happened, unfortunately, to people where they go to a church for years and it's been strong biblical teaching all that all all along. But then suddenly it's something flipped. Like maybe change a pastor or whatever, or just the pastor just <laughs> flip the script suddenly and starts teaching them like a false gospel. And at that point, you know, you should have the courage enough to get up and leave leave that church if they start doing that. But it can't be hard. Especially if you have connect, got connected to everybody there. So, I mean, it can be as simple, but it can lead into difficult circumstances. But, this is where we need to be, you know, thorough. And like, like I said earlier, that we're, we need to stay firm in the faith and put on the full armor of God. With the Word of God and Holy Spirit. And that way, even when you know false teachers come at us, when we see false, teach false teachers, we'll be able to stand firm and say, no, what you're teaching is false. Either, you know, correct them in love or just leave. Do not associate with them. I mean, again, that is, it is, can lead to difficult circumstances. But really the key thing we need to be careful is that really don't need to rely to put so much hope on who teaches rather than what they're teaching. Like, basically, do not put your trust in men. In men. Like it says, let's actually go to Psalms 146.3 real quick. So Psalms 146.3 says, Do not trust in princes, in mortal men, in whom... There is no salvation. So, again, what's saying there is that, you know, don't trust the men. Don't put all your hope on men to... Do, but you don't put your faith in Christ on men, basically. Because, I mean, a great example of this is the whole situation with Ravi Zacharias. There's a lot of people who are hurt due to what 
the revelation of all what he did. And people are denying or like doubting their salvation because of that. And I want to, if, if those, if those who are struggling with that are listening, I want to encourage y'all, you know, even if this guy, even if, I'm not saying he wasn't saved, but let's say he wasn't. Let's say it was kind of a double life type deal, which does seem like he was. But I really, really don't truly know if he was saved in the end or not. Maybe he was. Hopefully he was. But what I'm saying here is that don't let that ruin the your relationship with Christ. Because you don't have, you, your relationship doesn't rely on who taught you the gospel. It relies solely on Christ. And even if the guy who taught you has fallen and was led a double life and maybe was not even truly saved, that should not lead you to doubt your salvation. Because salvation is through Christ alone, through faith alone, and by grace alone. So, not through men. So, I hope, I hope you know, y'all encouraged by that because... As it says in Psalms, do not trust a man, do not trust a mortal man. So, I know a lot of people are hurt by that, but you know, be encouraged. Don't doubt your salvation because of that, because your salvation is not based on the faithfulness of Christ, not men. So, alrighty. So, then it's all for half of that. So now let's jump to. Kind of our weekly reading through the book of Acts. So we're going to continue on in uh, chapter 5 of Acts. And we're going to start from... Sorry, this... Pages here. And we're going to start from verses 17. And probably end off at verse 32. So here what it says. But the high priest arose up along with all his associates. That is, the sect of the Sadducees. And they were filled with jealousy. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in a public jail. But during the night of an angel, the Lord during the night an angel of the Lord appeared. Sorry, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taken them taken them out of out. He said, "Go stand, go and stand to go." Sorry, sorry. I'm gonna start reading here. Who go stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole whole message of this life. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest and his associates came, they called the council together, even all the Senate of the sons of the sons of Israel, and sent the orders to prison house for them to to be brought. But the officers who came did not find them in the prison, and they returned and reported back, saying, We found the prison house locked quietly, securely, securely, and the guards standing at the doors, but when they we had opened opened up, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. But someone came and reported to them, 
The men who who you put in prison are standing in the temple and, te- and teaching the people. Then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back with without violence, for they were afraid of the people that they might be might be stoned. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in, in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the, apostle, and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up the of Jesus, whom you have put to death by hanging him on the cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and savior, and a savior to grant repentance to Israel, and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of those of these things. So is and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. Alrighty. So next we're going to start from verse thirty-three, right there, and that's kind of the cool verse. I actually mentioned this last week when I was talking about Jen's coats, Jen coats, yeah, and um, in Canada, the guy, the pastor was arrested, and I mentioned kind of, you know, I was going through, you know, Romans thirteen, and how it says, you know, obey your government and all that. But, when I, you know, of course, I made an argument saying, if the government is telling you to disobey God, <laughs> then you have every right and duty to disobey the government and to obey God. And as it says, as Peter says, we, we obey God, not men. So, if God tells you, to do A, but the government tells you to not do A, then you do A. <laughs> it's as simple as that. So that kind of is related to really the equality I talked to talk earlier. If the government starts telling Christians, look, you God says that, you know, uh, homosexuality is a sin, but the government says you cannot say that, but then pastors have the authority, have the duty to say no. This is what the word of God says, and we're going to stick with it, even if they get in tr- even if they go to jail for it, as the apostles did. Alrighty, so now let's move on to some of the gift stuff, best of the week. Alright, so it's the gift of the week. I'm probably just gonna really end off with this. So. I mentioned this podcast before on the show, but um, the Just Thinking Podcast is hosted by Daryl Harrison of Virtual Walker, and it's an excellent, excellent, excellent podcast. If y'all are not check it out, please check it out. It is just two brothers of Christ getting together, tackling these topics from a biblical worldview. And recently, they released an episode tackling CRT, Critical Race Theory, and it's a three and a half hour long podcast, but it is excellent. It is absolutely excellent. And <clears throat> they break down, you know, what is CRT and, you know, the origins of it. It has Marxist origins, of course, and, you know, 
what it means and how it's completely it's evil and antithetical to the gospel. And they do just a great job bringing that down. So here's actually a quote from Virgil. <clears throat> excuse me. From Virgil Walker during this podcast. Only in a nation bent on righting historic wrongs can um, CRT find a fertile ground. Only in a country devoid of systematic racism can you find people able to cry systematic racism and not be crushed by the same system they claim is racist. That is exactly right. That is exactly right. For supposed systematic racism, you would think that the you know government would arrest everybody decrying telling the government that they're systematic racists. Racist, systematic racists. But they're but they haven't because the government the US is not systematically racist. It simply isn't. That is a myth. And these guys did a wonderful job breaking that down. Yes, US, the U.S. has problems with racism in the past. It, it has had had some systematic racism, but here in 2021, it does not. And the only reason why racism keeps coming up is because the left, the leftist, and CRT people votes keep giving it life support. They won't let it die because. They realize it is beneficial for them. They don't want to take responsibility. They just want to cry victimhood. And here's the, one of the funny things right here. Is that, you know, they cry, they scream at conservatives, for example, saying, or you know, white Christians saying that we are the racists. We are the racists for believing, for not believing in, for being colorblind. And for believing individual individual rights at agency and agency. And the thing is, though these woke white liberals, they say that black people don't have their agency, don't have their own agency. They are victims, and no matter how hard they try, they will not succeed in life. And then they must rely on white liberals, white people, white liberals. In order to solve all their problems, the white liberals are there to solve all their problems. That there's some, that that they're God or something. How is that not racist? How is that right there not racist? But for us saying that this organization is race, or that people have individual rights for responsibility, how is that racist compared to what woke white liberal, white liberals saying? I mean, I'll probably expand on CRT at some point in the future. I don't know when, but sometime in the future, I'll really kind of expand. Get my thoughts on it as well. But, then that's all I have for this episode. So I'll be back here next week with all the latest. My name is Sean Clinton, and this is the God of Freedom Show. If you enjoyed this episode of the God of Freedom Show, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Remember, you can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Thank you for listening or watching.